Hello. This is Joya Italiano. This is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to Oh, That's a Thing, a podcast about the real science and sci-fi movies. Even if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We use the movies as jumping off points for some pretty awesome and real topics. That's right. We're not experts at all. We're actually just a couple of goons who Googled some stuff. But this stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, so sit back, relax, maybe learn a thing or two. Here we go. Here we go. Ooh. Are you guys ready to get thinner? Thinner. <laughs> okay, all right. So we watched the movie Thinner, and I want to quickly say that we, the reason we watched this is that Joya and I have a bit that we do when we're editing, because sometimes we'll get like the color wheel, the spinner, when I'm editing in the and the it'll yeah, the, crash like, the program, the, the booting color wheel thing. Yeah, and anytime it does that, it, like one of us will look at the computer and go spinner. Like, we're cursing it. Yeah. And then we came to the conclusion, we're both like, God, I've really been wanting to rewatch it. And I was like, oh, my God, I was just saying last week that I've been wanting to watch it. My boyfriend will watch it with me. Yeah, so, so here we are. <laughs> here we are. We watched Stephen King's Thinner. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Did you weigh yourself? 297. Billy, you were 297 last week. But for Billy Halleck, life is sweet, bigger is better, and too much is never enough. All I think about is food. But tonight, all of that will change. You kill my daughter and I curse you. Thinner. From the best selling novel by Stephen King comes the new shape of terror. This diet you're on, what is it? I don't think you'd like it, Henry. Being erased. Fear the power. That old gypsy put a curse on me. But it's all your fault if you hadn't hit that old lady. Believe. The curse. Please, take it off before this goes any further. I never take it off. Stephen King's Thinner. More terror. Less filling. So that's that. Um, I'm being erased! <laughs> I assume that's in the trailer. I haven't watched it at the point that we're recording this, but I'm assuming it is. This movie is based on the 1984 Stephen King novel by the same name. It was the last that he published under his pseudonym Richard Bachman. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I that's didn't even cool. know he had a pseudonym, but all right, because Stephen King has such a like... I'm yeah, I would think what? he would want to use his own name. Maybe that's why he was like, ah, what like, am I doing? Do I actually have a voice or is it just like people are buying my shit because it's me? Right, exactly. My name's too cool. Yeah. But what's interesting is I was looking on Stephen King's website and he was talking about this book and talking about the, the inspiration for it. So I'm going to just do a little quote from, from his website. Please do. Stephen King says, I used to weigh 236 pounds, and I smoked heavily. I went to see the doctor, and he told me, Listen, man, your triglycerides are really high. In case you haven't noticed it, you've entered heart attack country. I use that line in the book. <laughs> yeah, okay, I was going to say, that sounds like, <laughs> like sounds, is that, it sounds like a that? book title for him. Right, Like, exactly. heart attack country. But I guess he was like, oh, About a weird <laughs> country where heart attacks are happening to everybody. I mean, side note, that's a, isn't that a little bit insensitive to be like, you're on a one-way ticket to heart attack town. I mean, I guess it's a way to get through to Stephen right. King, like, you know. I mean, what's gonna it. what's gonna scare Stephen King? Yeah, exactly. So he so then he goes on to say he told me that I should quit smoking and lose some weight. I spent a very angry weekend off by myself. I thought about it and how awful they were to make me do all these terrible things to <laughs> save my life. I did lose the weight and pretty much quit smoking. Once the weight actually started to come off, I began to realize that I was attached to it somehow. That I didn't really want to lose it. I began mm. to think about what would happen if somebody started to lose weight and couldn't stop. And then that's the inspiration. And then the book thinner. 
Yeah, but I mean, he didn't say anything about a gypsy curse. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's like, mechanism. yeah, instead of being like, well, let's make a story about a guy who's just morbidly obese yeah. and then his doctor tells him to stop. They're like, let's well, add a little hard. Well, it's got to be a little scary. <laughs> yeah. You know, he doesn't want it to happen. Right. But so, yeah, I once had high triglycerides. I should get checked for it again. And, you know, because it's a precursor to diabetes and losing weight really does reduce that and lower the chances of you having diabetes. Well, so. yeah, I was actually reading about triglycerides because it's one of those it's like don't have a lot of those it's going to give you heart disease and, but I didn't really know why so I mean triglycerides they're a type of fat that's found in your blood so when you eat your body converts any calories it doesn't need to use right away into triglycerides so then those triglycerides are stored in your fat cells later there's hormones that release the triglycerides for energy in between meals so the idea is if you're like okay. doing a lot of mid-meal snacking and not burning off a lot of shit then that's how the, the triglycerides like build up in your blood so usually like the only way that they can really determine what your triglyceride level is is through a blood test and they'll usually do that at the same time that they're conducting a cholesterol exam mm -hmm. and the difference between triglycerides and cholesterol they're both separate types of lipids found in the blood but triglycerides are stored and they provide your body with energy whereas cholesterol is used to build cells in certain hormones they, they do different things but have the same property of if there's if, you know too much of a good thing it's going to get stored in your in your body and i don't think triglycerides work the way cholesterol does as far as like building up on a part of the wall of an artery so that they actually create a full-on blockage and that's oh, what yeah. happens in the heart is cholesterol builds up in the coronary arteries and the coronary arteries are what feeds the heart itself right. like what feeds blood to the heart itself so if one of those gets blocked or actually four of those get blocked which happens over time with cholesterol that causes heart attacks interesting i actually okay. had a science teacher when i was growing up who showed me his angiogram and an angiogram is when they inject dye into your blood and then take a picture of it so that you can see more clearly like where the blockages are oh. and two of his blockages were 100% blocked one was 95% blocked and the other one was 75% blocked and the doctor looked at him and said how are you still alive That's whack. and the reason that he was still alive was that the his heart had actually grown tiny little arteries around the blockages what? so like they literally what literally bypass surgery is is you take a graft of a vein oh. from the leg and then you put it onto the artery and you bypass the blockage that's happened right and this was bypass. happening okay. naturally to him wow because that's his body amazing. was just growing so like it was like how are you still alive your body had actually grown new arteries around the blockages isn't the human body an amazing thing yes it is that is wild so what would, who's the writer director of this the writer is the writer of beetlejuice the oh. director is a guy named tom holland right he's done some other stuff none of which yeah I we don't need particularly to go through this but another movie detail, you know, we to jump around a little bit, is that the film was screened alongside Michael Jackson's short film, Michael Jackson's Ghost. Oh, my God. In select theaters around the world. I love that movie. Oh. I've never the ghost seen start it. dancing. Oh, really? The ghost okay. dance? Oh yeah. Oh, well. Of course. Oh man, it's been a while since I've seen that though. I God, what, 96, 94? What are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking 96. That's crazy. Interesting fact. So, you know, obviously Billy, the main guy in this, loses weight very drastically. At one point he's supposed to weigh like 120 pounds, which is like 10 pounds more than I weigh and I'm right. like 5'2". So one of the reasons why it took so long for the film to get made, like Tom Holland spent six years making the movie because exec executives, I guess, feared that people would liken Billy's plight to the AIDS epidemic. 
So oh. they're like, oh, drastic weight loss might make people uncomfortable. Yeah, that's that yeah, because AIDS and cancer, huh? Right. Well, yeah, because in the movie, she, you know, that was one of the fears as they thought it was that yeah. kind of drastic weight loss generally doesn't happen yeah. except for with those like immunoviruses and stuff. Well, when his wife was like, oh no, you're losing weight like crazy fast. Maybe something's wrong. He's like, I can't win. Yeah. I can't. You want me to lose weight or Cause not? Because she, she's like, it just doesn't seem logical that you can eat 700 pounds of fried chicken and yeah. still lose weight. And he's like, what do you want from me? He's like, you know? I've lost 14 pounds this week. <laughs> oh, By boy. the way, healthy weight loss is like one to two pounds a week. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, any of these crazy crash diets. I mean, you don't need us to tell you like, yeah. guys, that's it's not very healthy. Careful. But... Although I did look into one diet that I thought was a really weird one. What and this it? was called the tongue patch diet. Oh. And we've so we've talked about using parasites and stuff like that for extreme weight loss. And there's all sorts of known things like stomach stapling, liposuction, bulimia, fad diets over the years. You know, er, you name it. You know, that fad diet bulimia. Yeah. Well, I'm saying. uh, (laughs) No, uh, I know. Among many other things. (laughs) Yeah. No. I'm just kidding. That fad bulimia. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I hadn't heard of this tongue patch diet, which was introduced in 2009. And basically, you attach a patch to the top of the tongue that makes eating painful. What? It's been heavily criticized, of course. It's a surgery where you leave this patch on for like a month to retrain your eating habits. At first, I just figured uh, tongue patch, that must be like it removes the taste. Like it it goes over the taste buds or something so that you would retrain yourself to like, you, you know, you don't get the pleasure receptor from eating unhealthy food, but that's not what it is. Right. What it is is there's only one doctor. His name is Nicholas Chugay. A doctor? Who uh, who will perform this in the United States. It is performed in some other countries by more than than just him. But, yeah, since eating solid food is painful, the dieter is supposed to eat a restrictive 800-calorie liquid-only diet developed by that doctor, Chugay. And the patch should be removed within a month, though, because otherwise the tongue may start growing onto the patch. And he claims the diet can help a patient reduce 30 pounds in one month. This guy is a fuckface. I can already tell. What? And of course, it's his shit that he's making you, his liquid Mm -hmm, goo. mm -hmm. This is like, I mean, God, even something as simple, like when we're talking about Soylent, we're like, have you no joy, sir? Like, isn't there a balance between just overeating and becoming obese and causing pain to yourself so that you I just love how low tech this is. I mean, it is low tech, but it's also like, so you're causing physical pain. That's the way to deal with it instead of just like Oh, it's a bad idea. It's a stupid, (laughs) stupid plan. Well, because I always think about that even with the the stomach stapling or, you know, that kind of, Mm -hmm. what what is the other thing? Lap band surgery. Yeah, yeah, that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Where it's like, Yes, you lose all the weight. And certainly if you're at a dangerous weight, I could see why that would be the thing. But you're still, like I've heard of so many people that gain the weight back. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is that like the only study that's been done on the tongue patch diet was done by the doctor's son. Mm -hmm. And it found that people lose about 16 pounds or something like that over the month. And then like 75 percent of them kept it off for eight months was Mm -hmm. the statistic that his son got. Right. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But even then, 75 percent kept it off for eight months. That's I don't know if that's like an amazing outcome. I, I guess it's pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. I guess then they would do it again. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot of surgery, man. <laughs> yeah. Gross. A lot of tongue surgery. Yikes. 
okay, so this movie obviously deals with, I mean, like, the main catalyst for all of this is a gypsy curse. Yep, <laughs> yep. They're not... Which, I, you and I kept looking at each other like, is this movie racist? Yeah, we're like, sure. we can't tell. I mean, obviously, I kind of had an inkling that gypsy was no longer a very, like, politically correct term. The actually the correct term for these people, it's uh, Romani, the, Rom- the Roma people. Okay. Now, gypsy, the English term gypsy originates from the Middle English Egyptian, which is derived from the Greek word for Egyptian. So the common belief during the Middle Ages was that this group of people were just nomadic Egyptians. I never realized that Egypt... And gypsies, I mean, duh, but yeah, I n- it never Egypt, occurred to me. Gypsy, gy- yeah, I was yeah, like, whoa, okay. so already. Now, according to one narrative, the Romani were exiled from Egypt as punishment for allegedly harboring the baby Jesus. So, really? Yeah. So they're just a wandering group of Jesus harboring gypsies. But now since then, evidence wow. has, shows, has shown that the group actually originated in India during the Middle Ages. Now, this is based on genetics and, and linguistics, which I think is one of the things that was so cool about it to me, too. Like, linguistics has been a study for so long, but certainly looking at, like, genomic data and figuring out, like the diasporas of populations mm-hmm. and stuff. That's that's not an area that I've ever really studied. So it was really cool to, to look into. Like the genomic data that was taken from 13 Romani communities across Europe today and researchers concluded that the Roma people left northern India about 1,500 years ago and then about 900 years ago they started migrating through the Balkans like Turkey, Greece, Moldova, Macedonia and then from the Balkans they migrated through Europe in the 1100s and then, you know, closer to the Americas as of now apparently the Romani, Romani population in the United States is estimated made it at more than 1 million which is pretty cool and that's more than i would have thought definitely more than i would have thought and i guess that diaspora that movement through the balkans makes a little bit more sense to me because even in the movie how they're portrayed is is very like eastern european this very like you kill my mama there's uh-huh. also some like italian vibes happening so i didn't really <laughs> know like what if is the ethnic history of this group and apparently it's northern india wow well, let me cool? ask a stupid question. What does diaspora mean? Oh, I think it's basically like the the separation of populations of oh. people. It's the spreading of people throughout the world. But especially when it comes to like particular historical events and okay. uh, maybe things that were happening. Because, for example, according to mythology, again, it's they have to rely on mythology because being nomadic cultures, a lot not a lot of this stuff was written down. Right. So a lot of this stuff wasn't learned until there wasn't these, a standard library. Yeah. So, but according to mythology, India was going through a social restructuring at the time, and they were adopting the caste system right okay. and are you familiar with the cat unfortunately like, I, right. I am familiar with the caste system. enough to know that they like categorize people and there's some people that remain castless they're like cast aside you might say um are there, very, is that the untouchables yeah the lowest yeah. level of the caste exactly the yeah. untouchables so various groups were not included for political and religious reasons these untouchables three groups made up the majority of the castless thieves Musicians and actors <laughs> and magicians whose magic, commonly called gypsy craft, was deemed heretical by the local religion. Yeah. So the idea was that these people that were cast aside, grouped together, formed bands, and then decided to move towards the West. Okay. That makes sense to me when you think about the the arts, the music, even the movie. There's this very like the gypsy caravan. Everybody's just mm-hmm. playing music all over the place. Well, they're like some kind of traveling circus. Right. In the well, movie. And uh, yeah, if they're actors, they're doing magic. Mm-hmm, I think that's where mm-hmm. the idea of this like the folklore of them having these supernatural powers and whatnot comes from. Mm-hmm. Many musical instruments like violins and guitars are said to have originated from the Romani. Many violins di- and guitars. Yeah. Those are Dances pretty big, such as the flamenco. Oh, really? Yeah, are, are said to have originated from them. There's also, there's still this current type of gypsy jazz that is still practiced. Gypsy jazz. Yeah, gypsy jazz. And we actually, I have some examples of this music right now. Let's let's take a listen. We'll start with one that's more traditional, I suppose, and then I'll follow up with one that's more like modern. So this is like old school traditional. Mm-hmm. 
which makes me think very like, you come to me on the day my yeah, daughter's yeah. wedding. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it I was is like, very that. Wow, very. I feel like this would be used in like an opening of an episode of Fargo. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's old school. And then this is, I actually really like this. Hey. <laughs> oh. Hey, Ratatouille's cooking something up in the kitchen. Exactly, I know. <laughs> but I think, well, that, and that's why, like, the music's so interesting, too, because it clearly incorporates then the cultures that these communities have moved to. So there's yeah. this, even with their language, it's like there's some similar grammatical rules and stuff with with Hindi, which is an Indian mm. language, but then, you know, they adopt the languages of the places they've moved. Like well, it many sounds languages. like if, if America's a giant melting pot, then they're just like a portable little melting pot. Yeah. I grew up with the phrase being gypped, but I did not know until I was like in high school that that was meaning gypsies. Right. There is a story that I have. So I, I, when I was 18, I had this incredible opportunity and I went down to Peru and I worked in a free clinic. And I remember on my way back, I was at the airport. The only other white people in the airport were this Christian group that had mm -hmm. come down to for a missionary kind of thing. And I got to talking with some of them, and they were headed towards the same town as, as I had just spent the last month. And we were talking about areas of the town, and there's like this amazing part where you actually, this tapestry right behind me that oh. you're looking at, I got from this like specific area of town in Peru, awesome. where they like hand weave these things. Mm. And so I'm telling him about this incredible tapestry that I got, and he's like, yeah, well, you got to watch out for that area. I heard they're really Julian. <laughs> and I was like... What, 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 what? <laughs> yeah. And told him, hey, man... I'm Jewish, you know, Yeah. what's, what's up with that? And he was like, oh my God, oh my God. He was so embarrassed. Right. And then he was like, I got to remember bargaining, bargaining. <laughs> the word is bargaining. I know. It's so weird. Well, that sounds so obviously like this is derogatory <laughs> towards Jews, whereas I, I right. see how Jip, it kind of, it's a little bit different. I mean, it makes I mean, sense once you hear it. If we had gypsies among us in our culture, I think we would know that Jip meant gypped right. for gypsies. That's true. But- because Jews are among our American culture more commonly, yeah. you know, I feel like it's more obvious to us that that's a derogatory oh, term. Yeah. I was also just like, I was a kid. You hear it around and you yeah. don't even associate words with like their origins right. if you don't know them. Absolutely. You but don't know like the painful history. That's my one real brush with anti-Semitism. <laughs> you lucky motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, even looking at discrimination of, of the Romani people mm. was, was interesting for me too because... Currently, they're in Europe, they're still generally associated with poverty. They're accused of high crime rates and behaviors that are perceived by the rest of the population as being antisocial and inappropriate. And I was like, huh, that sort of sounds like some ways that we treat people here. I wonder why. What's going on here? And then I looked into it, and the Romani, when they first entered Europe or they first migrated to Europe, were very quickly enslaved. And they continued to be enslaved up until even like 19th century in, in Romania. In England, Switzerland, and Denmark, they were put to death often. And, you know, there's all these oh, efforts to like force assimilation, like not allowing them to speak their own languages, uh. not allowing them to intermarry. Then, of course, we have the great Nazi fiasco and like... <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's like... Episode title, done. The Great Nazi Oh, Oscar. God. Then, of course... That is the best term for the Holocaust I've ever heard. Yeah, exactly. I love that. To me, I just made that connection between this feeling of, like, why don't you assimilate? Why don't... Like, I hate the difference. Why don't you just be like us? Or, like, why do your communities... Why are they stricken with poverty and, and certain social issues? Mm. It's like perhaps years of, yeah. of being persecuted. And to come up with an anecdotal experience like you did, I remember I was in a hip-hop class, 
in college and my teacher she had to sit around in a circle and we were trying to talk we were talking about like hip-hop culture because again this class was full of a bunch of sarah lawrence white kids right so she has us go around of rich white kids talking about hip-hop i know i was like i've been a dancer for a long time but i know i look like a goober here like because she had us go around in a circle and write on a piece of paper the first thing that comes to our brain when we hear the word ghetto okay so it was a way to you know have us tap into the culture of hip-hop and like the i guess whatever i was going along with the experiment right mm-hmm. and there was one girl in the class so all of us are going around and people are like well it's an area where mostly black and latino people live and high crime rates there's this one girl in the class and she was from romania and she was like i think of the jews and the gypsies and i was just <laughs> like i don't know why but at the time and all of us were like oh oh right ghetto has a different connotation yeah. worldwide yeah i would <laughs> you know? i'm sure if you ask somebody in poland in 1945 what, what is ghetto? a ghetto yeah. they wouldn't be like it's where the black yeah. people in america are yeah i don't know i just thought, i just thought that was really interesting i mean i was also bummed out to hear that many european countries still have issues with the romani people but the Italians apparently are like super anti like in a 2016 uh, your namesake research. I know and especially it's like have you listened to those tunes you Italians you, <laughs> you love would love it. this you, you love would this you shit, would right? incorporate them into your culture yeah but even in a 2016 Pew research poll it found that Italians in particular hold strong anti-Roma views with 82 percent of Italians expressing negative opinions about Romani. Wow. and I just was like you know not that I this is a Einstein moment to be like other places have discrimination too guys but it's just it's especially these days when I'm so inundated with like how terrible America is and their racist histories and stuff it's like like, oh wait other people are bad too yeah they're terrible and it's not a like misery loves company scenario it's just a like oh this is very human and these patterns continue of just like finding the other and not allowing them to assimilate and then being mad about them not assimilating So when you hear statistics like two-thirds of states now have adult obesity rates above 25%, Mm. those statistics are usually based on the body mass index, Mm. or BMI, which Mm. is a terrible way to measure a person's weight because it rates us as though we all have the same body type. Right. Everybody on Earth. So 200 pounds on me means something very different for my health than 200 pounds on someone with a super lanky frame. Totally. And it's used by doctors everywhere. I can't believe it's still used, honestly. It's really remarkable that it is. Now, there's a couple of reasons why it might still be used. So first of all, the person who made up the BMI specifically said that it cannot and should not be used to indicate the level of fatness in an individual. It was invented in the early 1800s by a Belgian mathematician, not physician, named Lambert Adolphe Jacques Quetelet. Whoa. Uh, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm sure. He was a mathematician, and he made it up to give a quick and easy way to measure the degree of obesity of the general population to help the government in allocating resources. Interesting. So it ignores waist sizes, which is a pretty clear indication of obesity, and doesn't take into account the relative proportions of bone, muscle, and fat in the body. That's insane. Yeah, basically if a person has strong bones, good muscle tone, and low fat, he's probably got a high BMI. So it winds up classifying a lot of athletes as overweight or obese. So like, I'm certainly overweight as a human being. I'm not, you know, forget the body mass index. I'm an overweight person. But I did my body mass index calculator, and I've lost weight from my peak Mm -hmm. many years ago. And I'm still obese. I'm still like well in the obese world and you look at me like when you think of obese you know I, again i am overweight mm-hmm. but i don't think when you think of obese 
you would think of somebody who looks like me. Well, no, you're totally right on the money in terms of not measuring any of the like bone density and all of that. So I'm a trainer, right? And when I was a when I was a personal trainer for Equinox in New York, I had to do all of these you know, body fat tests on people. Mm -hmm. And that requires actually like pinching fat from people's body. Right. right. You weigh them and then you like, there's all these factors to determine whether or not they're healthy. There's also like ranges. It's, so right. it's not just weight and height. No, not at all. Especially because muscle weighs more than fat. It's right. fucking absurd. I mean, I would personally need to lose about 30 to 35 pounds just to be considered overweight yeah. by the body mass That's index. That's insane. So the CDC still says on its website that the BMI is a reliable indicator of body fatness for people. Really? Yeah. I'm that now, is insurance companies, you'd be shocked to hear that they come into this story, oh sometimes charge higher premiums for people with high BMI, including the healthy athletes that have that bullshit number. So a lot of people think that the insurance companies want to keep BMI in place so that they can charge more. Sure makes sense to me. Also, alternatives that are much more reliable than BMI are more expensive for doctors, so they would have to get new equipment in that isn't that expensive these days and is worth it. But so like the inertia of it makes everybody kind of keep rolling on with right. BMI. But also something that is so completely out of touch with what a person's actual fitness or health level is. Yeah. It's like when they do like maximum heart rate, there's still this just like general algorithm. It's 220 minus your age. Mm -hmm. And then that's supposed to give you like what your maximum percentage heart rate is. Right. Whatever. Now, if you're an athlete you're and you happen to be the same age as somebody who's not an athlete and sits on their ass all day, mm -hmm. you're going to have different heart rates. And yet you're, you know, it's like. It's like this one size fits all approach yeah. doesn't make any sense. And I think that like because it kind of doesn't even matter. It's like the doctor will like be like, hey, you're obese. You should lose weight. Right. But it does matter for insurance companies who can say, hey, you have a high body mass index. Let me charge you oh, more. Yeah, I think it all, I think you can, yeah. you can figure out what's going on there. Yeah. Well, I guess, unfortunately, something like that, you can't really lie about it. Because I remember once in New York, I went in for, it was, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed going into one of my first doctor's <laughs> appointments after college. And, you know, filled out on a form. It was like, are you a smoker? And I was like, well, I do smoke sometimes. So I, you know, I was trying to be honest. Right. And then they ended up charging me more. And I was like, guess who's never going to tell you that I've ever smoked in See, my life? That's the worst kind of thing. Like, you need to be completely honest and open yeah. about what you're actually doing with your doctor. Although it's funny because a rule of thumb when you're on an ambulance, mm -hmm. if you're a paramedic, is if somebody tells you that they had w one drink, you multiply it by three. So if they told you two drinks, it's probably six. If oh, they told you three drinks, they're obliterated. You know, Billy and his wife were all freaked out in the movie thinking that he might have cancer, which is one of the reasons that he had such drastic weight loss. Mm -hmm. I was looking into other reasons of why that might happen, and there, there's also hyperthyroidism. So mm. just above your collarbone, the bottom of your neck, is your thyroid. It's the, it's the little butterfly-shaped gland that controls things like how fast your heart beats and how quickly you burn off calories. It releases hormones to help regulate your body's metabolism. If you have hyperthyroidism, it means your thyroid's producing too much of a hormone called thyroxine. Thyroxine? Thyroxine? Who knows where you <laughs> want to put the emphasis? But it basically can like significantly speed up your metabolism. And in addition to maybe losing weight really fast, you could also have you know intense feelings of feeling nervous or out of breath, just like an overall weakness, which makes sense because you know at first you might feel energetic and you not might not know that you have it because your metabolism's up and you're like, hey, what's going? on mm -hmm. but that happening for an extended period of time is just going to break your body down and that's why you feel so uh. weak i guess apparently the most common cause of hyperthyroidism is an immune system disorder called graves disease have you ever heard of that i've heard of graves yeah. disease but it's most likely to affect women under the age of 40 which i am <laughs> but in addition to other symptoms of hyperthyroidism about 30 percent of people with graves disease develop a condition called graves optum 
ophthalmo oh my god ophthalmopathy an eye uh, disease. Eye disease? <laughs> eye shit? It basically fucks up the muscles and tissues around the eyes, and it can cause people's eyes to either feel like to bulge, which is gross, oh to cause a gritty feeling in your eyes, which I'm like, Ew. dude, I have major stigmatism. I've had to wear contacts and all this kind of shit. I'm like, I don't like stuff in my eyes. I hate having eyes dilated, yeah. let alone having oh, basically a sandy grit feeling in my eyeballs. When people do eyedroppers around me, I start to cry. Like, I, oh, yeah. I have glasses, but I've never put contacts in, and I'm <sighs> fearing the day. It's so absurd. Yeah, I've and heard I don't... once you kind of break the seal, like, you yeah. just get used to it, and yeah. it's fine. But, like, I just looking at somebody putting a contact in my eyes. Well, at first, this is what's interesting, is they at first told me that I would never be able to wear contacts. They were like, your astigmatism is just too great. Wow. And then, luckily, by the time I turned th 13, I guess the technology had caught up. So then I wore <laughs> contacts, like, every day, all day for so many years. But that's also not that healthy to have basic basically a yeah. film over your eye all fucking day so now these days like over the past five years i've just been like i'm gonna revisit my four eyes time my brother has this crazy contact because he has like a very special issue with his eye where they actually have to reshape the surface of it Ugh. so it's like this special hardened it's almost like invisalign for your eyes oh that's if you, cool. you know it, it's a kind of amazing thing and he's like but laser eye surgery doesn't work right. and like would make it worse so yeah exactly. it's a complicated stuff you got to take care of your eyes yeah man don't get Graves' disease. They're, they're, I guess. they're the windows to the soul? <laughs> the world? I don't know. So, in the movie, they kill this old gypsy lady while she's giving him a blowjob in the car. Ugh. And there's and like not she, not the gypsy, his wife. I'm Billy's sorry. wife. I should have been clearer about <laughs> the that. The old gypsy woman was <laughs> blowing him. Ugh. No, it was his <laughs> wife. And then he, he's distracted. He kills her with the car. And there ends up being a court case where everybody's like conspiring so that he doesn't actually like get put in yeah. jail for this. Crooked cops, etc. So I was looking into the legality of what is known as roadhead and manslaughter. Oh. I mean, roadhead is blowjob in a car. Well, oh, yeah, okay. Thank <laughs> just you. Yes. for those without oh. an urban dictionary, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the dictionary definition of manslaughter. Mm -hmm. The unlawful killing of another person without premeditation or so-called malice aforethought, mm -hmm. which is an evil intent prior to the killing. It's distinguished from murder, which brings greater penalties, by a lack of any prior intention to kill somebody or create a deadly situation. Right. It was an accident. Hold right. Yeah. There's two levels. Yeah, thank you for boiling that down. <laughs> there are two levels of manslaughter, though, voluntary and involuntary. Right. Voluntary manslaughter includes killing in the heat of passion or while committing a felony. Like, if you bring, like, a gun to rob a bank uh -huh. and you end up killing somebody even if you didn't mean to, oh, okay. that's voluntary manslaughter. Unlike involuntary manslaughter, which occurs when a death is caused by a violation of a non-felony, like reckless driving. Well, when you say in the heat of passion, it's not like somebody comes home and sees their wife cheating on them and then it they kill them. It is like that. That's voluntary manslaughter? That's voluntary manslaughter. manslaughter. I in, don't... At least in some states. And it had to do with, like, if the crime occurred within the time of, like, the passion to cool down. Uh -huh. And then there was, like, even further stuff about if the person's been violent before, then they'll change the, you know. So it's like you can plead that down to voluntary manslaughter. Wow. But it's not exactly easy to do. Sure. So a lot of the times those will be looked at as murders, mm -hmm. but you know sometimes it is possible to, it is argue, possible that, to argue it. Yeah. So there doesn't seem to be specific laws against getting a blowjob in the car, but there are laws against getting a blowjob. Period. 
In general, just in life. 13 states where straight up normal blowjobs are technically illegal. sodomy laws, right? Yeah. Alabama, Florida, Idaho, which carries a sentence of five years to life. Right. Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, Utah, and Virginia. Now, do we think that that that's just like a straight up... Outdated laws? Well, yeah, we know it's outdated, but I mean, is that as a result because it's any kind of, I guess, quote-unquote fornication that doesn't lead to childbirth, or is it basically just straight-up homophobia? I think it's, well, I think it's non-penis and vagina sex, okay. which I think is related to the homophobia sure. stuff. Because it, it is included in the sodomy laws, as I, I believe it is, okay. yeah. And, you know, a lot of those carry fines of, like, 500 bucks, mm-hmm. but a lot of them carry sentences of, like, 5 to That's 15 years in jail. Unbelievable. Yeah. So you would basically be voluntary involuntary manslaughter, but you'd also violate the sodomy laws. Theoretically, okay. yes. But there's another thing where if you're getting a blowjob when you run somebody over in your car, it would almost definitely fall under criminally negligent manslaughter. Right. Which right. is when somebody takes an unreasonable or high degree of risk. Right. So in some places, it matters whether or not the person was aware of the risk. Uh-huh. It's like if you can't text and drive, then you shouldn't be able to fillet and drive. Well, that's the whole thing, too, is that it would more li- than likely be considered, quote, distracted driving, which many states now have laws against. Mm-hmm. So usually distracted driving is related to texting while driving, but it could certainly have roadhead fall under that. And it could also be considered a lewd act in public. Mm-hmm. And the freeway and the streets are considered public even when you're in your own vehicle with the windows up. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the way the law plays out. It, it, he probably should have been charged with distracted driving, although I don't think that was in place in 1996. Right. Because texting and driving wasn't an issue. But it would probably fall under criminally negligent manslaughter because he was aware that it was a risk to yeah. get a blowjob in the car. And so... Well, that was my whole thing. It was like, they st- it's looked like they started in the middle of like backwoodsy and then they were like on a main street. <laughs> a, I was yeah. like, if you're going to roadhead it, don't go on a fucking main street. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the stuff when I was researching this too was like, <laughs> law number one with roadhead, no speed bumps. Yo! Oh my God, that sounds <laughs> terrible. Science. I have a little tidbit about the oldest person ever. Okay. So the oldest independently verified person who ever lived was Jean Calment, who, or Jeannie Calment, who lived to 122 and a half years old. Holy shit. She died in 1997. Like, first of all, it's crazy to imagine the changes in the world that she saw between 1875 and 1997. I, oh my God. But secondly, she may not be the oldest person ever. Just this May, like last month, Uh an Indonesian man who many people believe was 146 years old finally passed away. Right. Now, the issue with his age is that Indonesia only started recording births in 1900, and his official papers claim that he was born in 1870. And they do claim that it's all official and and Mm. verified somehow. It's possible that he was 30 years old when the recordings began, but that again, it's not verified. It just got me thinking about, like, it's kind of cool that we're now going to enter a time where everyone alive has a definitely recorded birth, and yeah. so we'll have much better data on this going forward. Mm-hmm. And we'll even, like, once we get to a place where all the old people were born after the time of cell phone cameras, mm-hmm. we'll be able to specifically document even their entire lives. And I just think it's kind of cool that, like, we still kind of have... Some people alive who were like before modern recording of yeah. events. Yeah. And, you know, we, are we sure that this guy was 146? No. But certainly to your point in terms of the documentation of everything mm-hmm. is so much. Like I, I was looking through some of my mom's old photo albums the other day. And it's, you know, it's so fascinating where you're just like, ah, oh, real 
moment in history. Yeah. But now it's like we every bit of our lives is online and there's photographic evidence. And I think that's great yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, I even love like because you look it wasn't until like 1990 where video became common enough right. that documentaries didn't have to be like these structured things it was just they could just shoot and shoot and shoot right and you could capture real life stuff absolutely well because i mean one of the things about the old-timey pictures too is it's like for some of the early setups you had mm. to hold it for so long right like you couldn't right. you really don't get a sense of who these people are or what their personalities Definitely. are because you have to stay still whereas when you like i sometimes get into my little like facebook timeline rabbit hole mm -hmm, and i'm just mm -hmm. like well, one thing's for sure, I've had a lot of fun, and I'll be able to say that. You can tell like who I am, what kind of person I am, which yeah. I, that's what I really like about it, too, because when I think about my ancestors or you know even people that I knew in my lifetime, I'm like, yeah. what were you like as a kid? I really don't know. So you got any favorite lines? I don't. I mean, I kind of. I, I just want to talk about that. Like, as the movie wore on, we kept looking at each other. Like, what was the theme of? What is this movie trying to say? Oh, right, because we've completely forgot to include the idea that a mafioso is who helps mm -hmm. Billy defeat the gypsies. No, he, he yeah. like it's like the he goes to the gypsies and the gypsies like reveal themselves to be bad people too. Yeah. He like starts off as a crooked lawyer. He doesn't like learn his lesson to not be a crooked lawyer yeah. or something. And then by the end, we realized that the theme was getting even is bad. Right. Getting even is bad, but nobody learns their lessons. This was an interesting thing, though, too, right. because the novel, by the end, the old gypsy man is able to release the curse from Billy, the protagonist, into a pie. And so Billy brings the mm -hmm. pie home for both for his wife to eat because he's so pissed off at her. I don't, something about that. She cheated on him or something. Oh, that's or right. She so cheated thinks, on him with the doctor. But so he doesn't like, know that. I guess I'm going to kill her now. So he feeds yeah, her the pie. Curse her to death. In a really gruesome fucking way. Anyway, then his daughter ends up eating the pie unbeknownst to him. So the way the novel ends is that he cuts himself a slice of the pie and eats the pie and joins them in death. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently all of the test audiences fucking hated it. So they ended up having to do a bunch of reshoots. <laughs> so that's why it ends with Billy then being like, I'm about to eat the pie. And knock, knock, knock. The guy that wife has been cheating with is at the door. And he's like, come in for a slice of pie. Yeah. White doctor from town. And Much then more satisfying. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. So I don't know what the fuck this movie is about. Certainly. Well, um, I think I, I really do think that it's like getting even doesn't pay. Revenge right. doesn't pay. And like because the gypsy's getting revenge, but then he doesn't get what he wants. Right. And then our main guy gets revenge and he doesn't get what he wants. Yeah. So well, then to know that it's but then on. it's all like inspired because uh, Stephen King used to be overweight from the flap. It says the, the novel's flap rather. It says this not is like a, the flap of his fat. No, not from his, his belly flap. <laughs> He, it's from the flap of his novel. It says, it's, this is a novel of unrelenting terror. It's a nightmarish <laughs> allegory about what lies beyond the limits of prosperous American complacency <laughs> and where the responsibilities of human actions ultimately lie. And I was like, is that what it's about? It's a commentary <laughs> on America? Is that where the gypsies come in? I'm not quite sure. I just love, like, you get lines in there like, it's not a parasite. I don't have that much time. This is evolution in reverse. This is a race. <laughs> and I'm losing. God. All the all the while, super mega close-ups with like fried chicken hanging out of his mouth. I mean, the <laughs> amount of chicken flying off this guy's mouth is amazing. I love his performance in this. Oh, he's he's great. got this incredible voice. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, so are we done? 
Oh, we're done. We're doing Tremors next week, guys. Oh my god, I'm so excited. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We yeah. had this like inkling to just watch Tremors, and there we go. Yeah, and I think it's gonna. Yeah, you know, we haven't talked about earthquakes or yeah. anything like. It's gonna be a fun episode. I mean, I w- will talk about Kevin Bacon all day, every day for the rest <laughs> of my life. So. <laughs> just yeah. All right. So if you guys have anything you would like to add to the conversation, hit us up. You can find us at ohthatsathing.com. You can find us at oh, that's a thing on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me at It's a Joy Mia on Twitter. I'm at Jeffrey Ackman. And we will see you next week for some tremors. Hey-oh. Bye. Oh.